Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome back to the show. One of my favorite, favorite things to talk about and to talk with are people who are engaged in novel thought and innovation and who translate their ideas into real life. And our next guest is an exemplar of that, Dr. Richard Parnas, who is a professor emeritus of chemical engineering at UConn and who has a tremendous amount of extraordinary credentials and has been a well-published expert in the field for over 35 years, has uh, is a partner in something called REA Resource Recovery Systems, and he has built a plant in Danbury, Connecticut, which is past the research stage and doing phenomenal things. Dr. Richard Parnas, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show today. Hello. Hi. Hello, Lisa. Thank you for having me on. Uh, It's really a pleasure. I can see with all of your degrees that you've had forever that you have been immersed in thinking about chemicals and engineering for, it seems like your entire career, maybe your whole life. Well, yeah, my my background is in a field called chemical engineering. So that's what we do, you know, is we do chemical processing, fuels processing. Historically, it's all been about petrochemicals. But in the last 30 years, a lot of chemical engineers have moved into more sustainable types of activities. And what we mean by sustainable is instead of making waste and then burying it or polluting ourselves with it, we're trying to figure out a useful way for it. Right. Yeah, that, that, that's one aspect of, of sustainability is, you know, waste to energy, recycling, any of these types of things that avoid simply just disposing of things. A better way of looking at it that I think economists like is things that you throw away are basically lost opportunities. <laughs> you know, you're just throwing stuff away that you might be able to make money with. Okay. I love that. So with that background, what are you doing in Danbury, Dr. Parnas? Right. What we, I, I've been involved in making a type of biofuel called biodiesel for a number of years. And there's a lot of plants here in the United States that make biodiesel from things like soybean oil and restaurant uh, 
what's called yellow grease, okay? But there's a couple billion gallons a year of some really nasty waste material called brown grease that the wastewater treatment industry has to get rid of. And it's a problem at every single one of the 86,000 wastewater treatment plants in the world and the 25,000 wastewater treatment plants here in the United States. So what we've done is figured out how to take this nasty waste material and turn it into a really clean burning biofuel called biodiesel. How did you do that? What do you do? Well, there's, you know, it's it's really chemical engineering. So, you know, what chemical engineers do is they they it's really applied chemistry. There are some relatively simple chemical reactions that we do. But the most important thing that we do is we have to clean up this material cuz it's a filthy material. Mm-hmm. It's people pay you to take it away from to take it away and deal with it. Yeah. So what we do is we clean it up, we do some chemical reactions on it. And we turn it into this crystal clear material that's pretty much a drop-in replacement for diesel fuel. That's incredible. So you know, it's a diesel fuel, but it isn't a diesel fuel that comes from oil anymore. That's correct. And in fact, the carbon footprint of biodiesel is about 75% less than the carbon footprint of petroleum diesel. Oh, I would So it's really a, a... Of course. Yeah, sure. it's a much cleaner, cleaner situation. Yeah. In other words, so when you're burning this other new fuel, this biodiesel, it's putting a little bit of pollution back into the atmosphere, but not nearly as much as traditional diesel. Correct. Now, to be more specific, when you when you burn the biodiesel, the amount of pollution that you release when you burn it is very similar to when you burn petroleum diesel. But the big difference is that in order to make the biodiesel, you had to pull carbon dioxide out of the air to grow the plants in the past year. So it's really a, what, we call, what, what ecologists call a carbon cycle. So, for example, when you burn petroleum diesel, you're releasing carbon into the air that was taken out 50 million or 100 million years ago. It's not part of the equation anymore. And so it causes a burning petroleum fuels causes the increase in carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. However, if we take the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere just as fast as we put it in, that's what biofuels do. And that way we don't cause an increase in, in carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and then we can prevent global warming. I don't okay. know if that makes sense to you. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry well, for I the think, I think you, look, I'm, I'm not smart like that. So I think you went a little fast <laughs> for me. So we're, ch- we're chatting with Dr. Richard Parnas. I mean, I understand the end result is it's good, good, good. But I, I get that. Yeah. But what, I, I, what I'm trying to understand about biodiesel is, are you saying that the making of biodiesel extracts takes away carbon dioxide from the air, which we don't want to have anyway. Okay. Correct. Yeah. See, biodiesel is made from vegetable oils. In order to get vegetable oils, you have to grow the vegetables. And when plants grow, they take carbon dioxide out of the air and they release oxygen. There are counterparts on, on, on the planet. Okay. And so when we grow plants like soybeans and things like that, they take carbon dioxide out of the air. We can then take the seeds from the, the, from the soybeans, the beans, press the oil, and turn that oil into biodiesel. 
Now, if that's all we did, if that's all we did, then we would be competing with the food. Okay, that, that's that true. people eat. That's true. And we don't want to do that. So what we do here in Danbury is we wait until after people use the vegetable oil and then throw it away. So grease that comes from restaurants, grease that comes from homes, that ends up coming down the pipe to the wastewater treatment plants. It all ends up at wastewater treatment plants, actually. So, you know, we work at the wastewater treatment plant. In fact, our our biodiesel plant is located on the same piece of property as the Danbury wastewater treatment plant. And so we get waste grease delivered to our plant by both from the pipes at the wastewater treatment plant and by truck. And then we use this waste grease. So after people have already used it in the food system, we take the waste grease and then we convert it to biodiesel. It's just so cool. It's like that's your manna, right? That's your food. To, that's your fuel for what you're doing. You need that. Right, right. One way to look at it is we work on the back end of the food system, okay? Mm-hmm. A lot okay. of people talk about sustainable food systems, and they're all about organic farming and things like that. But there's this other end of the food system that, you know, oftentimes it's not the most polite conversation, but we're on the back end of the food system at the wastewater treatment plant. And that's also part of the sustainability equation is to handle waste products as efficiently and as environmentally responsibly as we can. We're chatting with Dr. Richard Parnas of UConn, who's a partner in the Stanberry plant. Is this also human waste? Is this, in other words, if it's ending up at the wastewater treatment plant, is it mixed with human waste, toilet flush, all of that? Well, we, we actually try to avoid that level of nastiness. Okay, um, I'm just wondering yeah, so, because, you know, eventually oh, no, everything's going to be recycled and fueled to something. I know that. Yeah. Right, no, your, your, your question is absolutely appropriate. And that's what everybody asks us is, are we dealing with raw sewage? Mm-hmm. And the answer is actually no. no. Um, okay. The Danbury Waste Treatment Plant was designated by the state of Connecticut to become what's called a fog receiving facility. Most of us think about fog as those low-lying clouds, a little bit of mist on the road. But in the wastewater treatment industry, fog actually stands for fat soils and grease. <laughs> and, um, you know, Cities and municipalities have to deal with this material. And so downstate here in Connecticut, people were having difficulty getting rid of it. It was being trucked for hours and hours to go to other places. And so there are other fog receiving locations. And the Danbury plant was designated to be a fog receiving location. And so, you know, we're part of that um, equation or that part of that activity where the fog comes in, and then what do you do with it once it shows up at the plant? Well, most people, they either landfill it or incinerate it. That's historically been what's been done with it here in Connecticut, is it gets incinerated. And then that's more um, smoke and more crap into the atmosphere, right? It's just That's right. That's right. And so we came up with a unique solution, and we said deliver it to the wastewater treatment plant just like you normally would. We'll separate it from the water and the other stuff that's in it. And then we will convert it to the biodiesel. So this is a first in the world facility, actually. Is it the first in the world? Yeah, it's not the first attempt in the world. 10 or 15 years ago, a group tried to do this out in Oakland, California, and they failed because they didn't appreciate how truly filthy this material is. Well, my partners and I, we've been working on this for a number of years, and we've got it right we, we've just literally in the last couple of weeks gotten the plant started up to the point 
where we're making what's called ASTM quality biodiesel. ASTM stands for American Society of Testing and Materials, and they're kind of like the gatekeeper for, for quality control for lots and lots of different uh, uh, industrial uh, uh, and commercial items. So when you pass the ASTM tests, you can say, hey, we're really proud of ourselves. <laughs> this so is amazing. So, and, and with this ASTM seal of approval, and I can't believe it's only a few weeks. I'm so happy to chat with you, Dr. Parnas. Have you found Perfect a market timing. to to buy this? In other words, do you know that you can sell oh, this? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. What, what's interesting is that the state of Connecticut is trying very hard to become more sustainable. So like many places here in the Northeast, we generate a lot of our home heat with heating oil. Right, I do. And he, heating yeah. oil, yeah, same, same with me. I, I live upstate in Ashford. Um, but... Heating oil is is uh, typically basically number two diesel fuel. It's slightly different than what's used in transportation fuel. Very, very tiny technical technical differences, but it's basically number two diesel fuel. And for several years now, Connecticut has mandated that heating oil sold in Connecticut be five percent biodiesel. Oh, okay. So there. So it that's is. good. <laughs> there it is. But that's not very much. You can sell much. it. To, that's not you can very sell much. it. To, no, but but they could make it more. Right. It's a minimum five, that's right. right? And that's yeah. that's what's happening in the next couple of years is Connecticut is mandating that heating oil will become twenty percent biodiesel. Oh, so boy. all of the heating oil uh, 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 sellers are scrambling to find adequate supplies of biodiesel in order to meet this mandate. So we work, we work with heating oil suppliers down here in, in, in the Danbury area, and they've told us they'll take every drop of biodiesel we of can make as long as it meets as long as it meets these ASTM standards. Wow, this is so exciting for you! Is this a private company? Oh, is. is this a factory that you got started yeah. with your partners on your own with private money? Yeah, REA is is a private company. I, I retired from UConn about three years ago to go full time with this company, and I'm. I'm the R in REA because my first name is Richard, and I have two partners, Eric Metz and Al Barbarata. They're the E and the A in REA. And so we, we started this company five years ago, and um, we were able to do a small demonstration uh, plant, just a, 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 a very small plant down in New Haven at the wastewater treatment plant there, just to demonstrate that we could get out of my lab at UConn and scale it up. And based on that, we were able to receive a contract to build the plant here in Danbury as part of a general upgrade that the entire Danbury wastewater treatment plant is doing. They're upgrading their whole plant because it's, you know, it's been here for a long time and it was in need of basically renovation like you would do for an old house. They needed upgrading. And part of that upgrade was was to become the fog receiving station. And part of that was for us to locate here and do the fog to biodiesel plant. And now that you have, been able to successfully create this product, I would imagine you're going to get inundated with other applications to duplicate this at other sites throughout Connecticut and elsewhere. This could be a huge thing for you, Dr. Parnas. It's very exciting. You're a private well, company, not yeah. public yet, right? Not a public company. That's correct. That's correct. No, you got to let us no, know we, when you're thinking about becoming public yeah. so we can buy stock. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You got to let us know, well, Dr. Parks. <laughs> We, we, we have shares available now, but, you know, but it's, wow. it's, it's handled on a private basis. You know, uh, my, my partner, El Barbarata, is a businessman. He, he ran um, AFB construction for many years doing, you know, he built schools and stuff like that. So he's familiar with permitting, site selection and things of that nature. And my partner, Eric Metz, is an equipment genius. He's, an, he's, he's, our, he's our chief operations guy, and he, he's the one who really operates the plant. Me, you know, as the engineer, I, I developed sort of like, you know, the high level, the, the, the high level concepts to do this, the chemistry, some of the some of the processes. But there's no way that some random university professor can walk out and build a plant like this without a really strong team. And that, that's what I have. That's well, what you I know have. what Stephen Sondheim says? Everything depends on execution, right? That's what he said. Sunday yeah. in the park. <laughs> that's one of my favorite you know. lines. I repeat it constantly on the air. Uh, yeah. So I have a question. Exactly from, right. I have a question from a um, a listener. Here we go. Uh-huh. Diesel is mostly used by trucks. Can it be turned into other grades of fuel like gasoline? And how does the price of biodiesel compare to regular diesel? Right. Okay. So. Your, your listener is exactly correct. Diesel is mainly used in trucks. You would never blame, blend diesel with gasoline. Okay. Okay. That's why if you go to the gas station and you have a gasoline-powered car, if you put diesel fuel in it, your car is going to stop. Oh boy. Similarly, if you have a diesel-powered car and you put gasoline in it, it's not going to work. Okay. So they're, they're, they're two different fuels. But there are several billion gallons a year of diesel fuel used in the United States each year. And while, you know, Elon Musk talks about making electric trucks, that's a little harder than the electric cars because trucks are so heavy and the batteries would be extraordinarily heavy. And they can't sell the F-150. They're losing their shirt on the electric F-150, despite that it was all heralded. It's a mess. 100 percent. It's not working. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, with biodiesel, you can immediately blend biodiesel into diesel fuel and put it in your truck right now. Wow. In fact, there are some the, the, most of the American biodiesel industry is in the Midwest where the big agricultural areas are. And there are truck stops out there where a trucker can pull up to the, to the, to the diesel fuel pump and just dial how much biodiesel they want in their fuel. You know, they can dial zero, they can dial 100%, they can dial 50%. And so... Unlike ethanol, you know, ethanol is the biofuel most people know about. Mm-hmm. And you'll never, you, you don't want to put more than 10 or 15% ethanol into your fuel, into your gasoline and put it in your car. Otherwise, you'll get something called vapor lock. Okay. Biodiesel is better than ethanol 
because biodiesel can be blended with diesel fuel in virtually any proportion and then just used immediately. So it's, and, it's, and is it's, it more it's, expensive? I'm a biodiesel fanatic. <laughs> so I, I can see, I can hear that. So what is? So why would if if that's the case? Why would anybody use regular diesel and not be 100% biodiesel? What am I missing? Right. There's, there, are some, there are some very important considerations. One thing is that it's extremely difficult to make enough biodiesel to replace all of the petroleum diesel unless we get really creative and start using these waste feedstocks like what we're doing here in Danbury. Because if you just want to take a lot of soybeans and make biodiesel, suddenly the price of soybeans are going to soybean oil that you use for cooking is going to go up because of supply demand competition. Right. Okay. Right. Um, And so the biodiesel industry in the United States has kind of plateaued at a production of about two and a half or three billion gallons a year, and that's only a few percent of the total consumption of diesel fuel. I see. So. The brown grease, the fog and brown grease that we use in the wastewater treatment industry can nearly double the biodiesel production in the United States if it's, if it's, fully, if it's fully utilized that way. You know, so we, we have a way to, ways to go to get there. And then, there's, you, know, there, there, you know, nothing's ever perfect. So it turns out that the cold weather properties of biodiesel aren't quite as good as regular diesel. So if you're up in Minnesota and it's 20 degrees below zero, biodiesel can freeze up on you. Now, petroleum diesel can freeze up on you also, and so they have these additives called cold flow additives. But still, biodiesel is not as good in the cold weather as petroleum diesel. So people have to be a little bit careful. Okay. Well, we've already learned that about electric cars. We've already learned that the range goes radically <laughs> down if you're in cold weather, all right. the way down. It's like, what, what happened here? Yeah. I, I, I can't stop and whiz my charger. Yeah. Right. I, I have a hybrid. I don't have a fully electric car, Me but I, ha- I have a hybrid. I love my hybrid. My, love. Yeah. And in the summer, I get over 60 miles per gallon. Yeah. But in the winter, like right now, I'm typically getting in the low to mid 50s because the battery doesn't work as well. Yeah. So there, there, there's a lot of things that are temperature dependent and we have to learn how to handle those. Most people don't really want to think about it. And the oil industry has done a great job making sure that we don't have to think about it. It turns out that the gasoline that you put in your car in the winter is different than the gasoline you put in your car in the summer because they have a winter blend and a summer blend. Oh boy! And so those of us involved in sustainable and renewable fuels have to learn how to do that also. That's so interesting. I love the way you put it. They've made it so we don't have to think about it. Right. Because if we right. had to think about it and it was a pain in the neck, then we might want to look at alternatives. But why would we look at alternatives right. if everything is good? Yeah. Right. So, for example, with biodiesel, you can make biodiesel from hemp seed oil. Okay. And the biodiesel that you make from hemp seed oil has cold weather flow properties that are better than petroleum diesel. Nice. So, one of the things that I've been trying to do for the last 10 years is as I move forward making our biodiesel from this waste product here at the wastewater treatment plant, I also want to make biodiesel from hemp seed oil so that we can make a winter blend that would be rich in the hemp seed oil and a summer blend that would be rich in the, uh, the, 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 the brown grease biodiesel. So, you know, we can make biodiesel that has properties that are better for the summer and biodiesel that have properties that are better for the winter. 
And once we do that, then again, we, we, we can, in the industry, we can make it so that people don't have to think about it and the industry will take care of it for them. Dr. Richard Parnas, this is it's such a breath of fresh air, really, to talk with you and to hear not only about these beautiful ideas, but to hear that they've already been put into practice, that this is the first plant in the world here in Danbury, Connecticut, that is taking this ugly, gross aspect of wastewater treatment, this gross brown grease that nobody knows what to do with, and turning it right. into another usable fuel that in and of itself doesn't create much more pollution, hardly any. And I wish you right. great success with it to the extent you're successful, the extent to which the rest of us have another problem that we've conquered by science and knowledge. And um, I, I do want to keep I do want to keep tabs on you and your company, Dr. Parnas. So please keep in touch with the Lisa Wexler show. And I look forward to reading about you. And I'm just so glad to know you and to know that you're doing this here. Thank you, Lisa. It's been a great pleasure being on your show. And um, I'm happy to stay in touch with you. Thank you again. A pleasure. Dr. Richard Parnas on the Lisa Wexler Show. If you missed any part of our conversation, it's rather extraordinary and very inspiring. We'll have the podcast up by this afternoon, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be right back. That was so exciting. If you missed it, if you're just joining us right now, hello and welcome back to the show. I'm Lisa Wexler. You're listening to WICC at 203-333-9422. It's a Friday. We're going to chat with, I hope Peter Klatsky is going to try and call in from where he is in Florida at 1115. He is a world-renowned fertility expert, and we're going to talk a little bit about this a decision that is rocking the country. Uh, anybody who cares about children and all together and about infertility needs to pay attention to this Alabama Supreme Court decision, which we are going to discuss at the top of the hour anyway. But hopefully Peter Klatsky will call in. But if you didn't get a chance to hear our recent conversation just now with Dr. Richard Parnas, I urge you to do so. You know, it's Friday and I always forget to tell you, I always forget that you can send me your email now, send it to me right now, and I will put you on our newsletter list. The newsletter is called Catch Up with Connecticut. I write it myself, usually on Friday nights, occasionally on Saturday nights. You'll get it, I promise, by Sunday morning, the latest. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's Catch Up with Connecticut. It's Catch Up with Connecticut as viewed through the lens of the Lisa Wexler Show and the stories that we've covered over the week. And it's mostly links to podcasts. It's some behind-the-scenes photos of our guests and of me in the studio. And people really enjoy it. It's got a very high open rate, and we've got over nine. 9,000 subscribers. It's free. If you want to be on it, all you have to do is send me your email and say newsletter, and I'll put you on the newsletter. <clears throat> and the cool thing about it is, what people like about it is, it's sort of an easy reference to links to the podcasts over the last week. And I usually have a couple of favorites. This one is going to be one of my favorites because I just chatted with Dr. Richard Parnas, who is now a professor emeritus at UConn, having taught there for many years. And he has zoomed into private enterprise and he was giddy, giddy with excitement that <clears throat> these plans that have been on the drawing board for years and years about how to take this ugly wastewater deposit brown grease stuff that... We can't filter out anymore. We don't know what to do with, so we bury, and it just stays there inert as ugly pollution and landfills, that he's figured out a way to make it a biodiesel fuel to have it go back into uh, systems like our furnaces and our cars that require this level of 
diesel. And the diesel that is then produced from this wastewater has significantly less of a byproduct of its own kind of pollution than would occur if we were burning the regular diesel. So, you know, in the end, we haven't quite figured out yet how to have everything burn hydrogen, which then just dissipates in the air. I think graphene we figured out, but that is not, that is a technology that hasn't been applied too often. It's still very much in the drawing room stages. We have these amazing ideas, but it is all about execution. And to think that Danbury, Connecticut is the first site of the very first plant that is successfully doing this, that has this rating, this ASTL rating that um, he was telling us about that is apparently critical in order to be able to sell this uh, biodiesel. It's, it's really an extraordinary story. And, um, and I'm, I'm just delighted to be able to celebrate it. The company is still private. Those of you who are would-be investors, it's not a public company yet. It's still a private one. But you heard Dr. Parnas say that they're taking money. So who knows? 203-333-9422. In the meantime, in the next hour, I hope we're going to line up for the kindness of strangers at 1130. And also line up uh, to, to listen and to speak and comment on the big stories of the day. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Lisa Wexler Show. We're going to do top of the hour right now. News, weather, traffic on WICC 107.3 FM, AM 600 and WICC 600.com. We'll be right back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.